G'day everyone. Just before you sit down, give someone a high five. Say, buckle your seat belts when you sit down. We're going to have some fun today. It is wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to be anywhere when you get to my age. It's good to wake up of a morning and think, good Lord, it's... No, no, good morning, Lord. And uh, it's great. Great to... Before I start, I did want to apologise to Pastor David. It has been a year since I've preached. And uh, that means two things. One, I'm a bit rusty. Two, I've got a lot to say. So <laughs> when I was preparing the message, I was thinking, God, how can I contain this into a, a message? But Holy Spirit will help me. Amen. It's great to see some of our Dubbo family, church family members come down. <laughs> Wallen, Dion and Amanda. And of course, uh, Serena is a part of the Good Life Church. But uh, she reckons she's a Dubbo girl anyway. So, uh, so good. And others here that we've known over the years, it's, uh, it's great to see Dominic over there, of course. We did a, a trip to Solomon Islands when Dominic was a, a, a ruddy youth. And uh, it was one of the most amazing things, because he was a bit frightened of flying. And of course, when you go to Solomon Islands, one thing you do is fly. And uh, someone said the other day, they fly more than pigeons. But the re reality is we're in this small aeroplane flying to an outer island, and Dominic was absolutely scared spitless, didn't even want to get on the aeroplane. And uh, he's sitting in the aeroplane, and I think he was hammering his knees or something. There was something going on there. And we were praying and just saying, come on, Dom, you can do this. But Dominic came back from that trip, a different man. You know, when you do something, when you step out for God, something happens. And uh, I guess the crux of my message this morning is not really about teaching you anything, but I pray that I can inspire you. Because our journey has been quite an amazing journey. Uh, first of all, I was born at a very young age. I was just tiny when I was born. And uh, my mum was grateful for that. But I was born here in Western, Western Suburbs Hospital, which is... Uh, and um, it was funny because there used to be a tram parked on the, so on the boundary fence of the Western Suburbs Hospital. And as a kid driving past the hospital, mum used to say, you were born there, that's where you were born. And I always thought I was born in the tram, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> as, I got, as I got older, I was surprised they moved the tram. And I'm like, they've taken my birth tram. What have they done with it? But I went to Mayfield West Public School till I was five or six years old, six years old. And then we moved to Port Stephens. And I grew up on a farm, Salamander Bay. So as I share some of the journey with you today, keep in context that I'm a boy from Salamander Bay. And I hated wearing shoes because we used to run on the farm and run in the bush barefoot. And uh, I had old motorbikes and bush bombs and all that sort of stuff that you have on farms. Plus, I had a problem with school. I hated it. And um, basically hated it because I'm dyslectic and had a real problem learning and reading. So I was actually sidelined in school as uh, a dumb or slow learner, whatever. Teachers, if there's teachers here today, be careful what you say to kids because <laughs> you can scar them for life. Um, I've been healed, doesn't affect, affect, affect me at all, <laughs> but, but adults, just, just make sure that you speak words of life to kids and don't put them down, even if you think they are a bit dumb or a bit like rebellious, naughty, just keep trying your hardest to, to give them a break, because kids growing up are just kids, I mean. So uh, anyway, I met my beautiful wife over here at Havelock Street at the YMCA uh, hall. They used to have a dance every Saturday night, and that's where we met. It was love at first sight, 
I saw her across the room and I thought, hubba hubba ding ding. <laughs> Woo! And anyway, we, 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 uh, we've had a bit of a rough start to our marriage because we didn't know God. And uh, it, so we made some poor decisions and, and uh, have had to live out the consequences of those poor decisions. But we have four beautiful daughters. The youngest one here is sitting at Stand Up and Take a Bow, Miss Christine. No, <laughs> so proud of Christina and Jack. Just an amazing uh, couple, just doing great things for God. I didn't even get saved till I was 37. And I think, what are the young, younger people doing in this church that, are, that have started a bit younger than us? I think so good. But uh, so we've got four beautiful daughters and they've all married amazing husbands. So I want to brag on God for a little bit here. When you give your best shot to God... Uh, God looks after that which you're out of, con- it's out of your control. And who your kids marry is out of your control, yeah? Because they make their own decisions. But, but uh, praise God, they've all married great guys. And we now have 13 grandchildren and one great-grandchild. I know we're not old enough to have great-grandchildren, but we started young. So we've got this beautiful little great-granddaughter. And all of our kids and grandkids are serving God. Well, bar one that's just trying to find a way back to God right now. But, but you see, God's hand can be upon you generationally as you step in to what God has for you. I believe in generational blessing. And uh, we're so grateful that the, those that went before us, Rhonda's parents were pastors and her great-grandfather was a preacher. My great-great-great-grandmother was a woman of God. My grandparents have loved God and prayed for us. My parents have loved God. And you see, uh, you might be here today and you don't have that. Well, you start with that today and create that for your family. But we, we have the privilege of walking in generational blessing. So uh, our journey, really, Rhonda got saved seven years before me. So I'm a slow learner, yeah. So uh, it took me a while. I'm actually just thick-headed. You know how people got thick heads? Well, I was a bit thick. I was hearing all of the testimonies about the reality of Jesus, but I just couldn't get it. But when I did, I got it. I found in life, don't be half-hearted about anything you do. But get into it, boots and all. Give it your best shot. And uh, especially if it's about the things of God. <laughs> and uh, I probably would have been a good drug dealer if I'd been a drug dealer because I'm passionate about whatever I do. <laughs> but you see, I got saved at 37 years of age and uh, something literally changed on the inside of me. You know, the, I saw the light. I was born again. They're all cliches, but they're all true as well. And don't just let them be cliches to you, let them be reality. Because my life literally changed overnight. I, was, uh, I had a back injury, I'd fallen off a ladder and damaged my spine. There was no medical help and I was in depression. I had three years of trying to find medical help, a lot of pain, no help. And uh, I, was, I, I, I got to that point where I said, God, if you're real, I need help. <laughs> You know, it's not a really faith-filled prayer. You know, it's pretty pathetic. But guess what? God hears heartfelt prayers. And uh, I was sincere. And um, a couple of weeks later, a girl showed up at our house to talk to Rhonda about a youth group she was running in the Anglican church. This girl looked across the table at me at our dinner table and said, have you got a problem with your back? And immediately I thought, oh, someone's told her, yeah? Anyway, she offered to pray for me. And as her and Rhonda came behind me at my own dinner table and started to pray for me, I started to shake. And I started to feel heat flowing through my body. 
And this girl started to read my mail with words of knowledge. This is what happened. This is how it happened. And stuff that I couldn't even explain to the doctors, she knew. And um, it really just threw me into confusion because I thought, I'm not nervous and I'm not cold, so why am I shaking? (laughs) But I realized at that stage, in fact, I said to someone a few days later, I said, I don't understand what happened, but I think I've received a miracle. That's from someone who's just said, God, if you're real, (laughs) I need help. But at that time, I didn't really know what had happened. I just knew that the pain was leaving. It didn't just instantly go, but I was on an improvement pathway and it was, I just felt different. I was invited to church and a missionary held up a handmade nail and said, this is the sort of thing they would have nailed Jesus to the cross with. And as he did that, I closed my eyes because I didn't want to think about it. <laughs> and I went to the movies in my imagination and I saw three crosses on a hill way in the distance and I thought oh that must be what he's talking about and then all of a sudden the hand picked me up with like a chairlift I don't know what it was but I say it was the hand now but plonked me at the foot of a cross and when I looked up I could see Jesus and (laughs) uh, what I didn't believe in became real to me that day I couldn't believe Jesus was God I couldn't believe that 2,000 years ago, someone died on a cross for me. How could I get my head around that? But I saw Jesus hanging on that cross with blood and the crown of thorns and the details that you've read about. But it was more than that. Because I realized in a split second that he didn't deserve to die, that he'd done nothing wrong, but that he was there for me because I had done wrong and he was dying on my behalf. And friend, that changed my life but beyond that I knew that I was a sinner and I should be getting away from him the the God of all creation but his love didn't push me away his love drew me close I just came close and I said what do you want he said I don't want anything three times I said what do you want he said I just want you and then he said Alan I love you he said my name friend not just Yeah, I died for all of humanity. He said, I love you. You, personally, I love you. And not only do I love you, but you were born for a purpose. So I've literally, the love of God just drove out rejection and and everything else that was in me. And I'm not saying I was perfect and full of everything right from that day forward, but friends, something changed. I want you to know today, if you've been born again of the Spirit of God, something has happened. Something of the supernatural power of God has come in you as a seed. And you're born of the Spirit of God. And then from that day on, I just thought, well, this is amazing. It blew me away. I wasn't worried whether I was healed or not because I had something more powerful. I I knew that that Jesus was God. And... um, as I said, from that day on, Rhonda, Rhonda said the other day at a meeting, she said, Alan went from zero to 100% for God in overnight. She said, I've started, I went from praying for him to get his act together to saying, Lord, help me keep up. And, and in a sense, I felt like I had to catch up with her. She was seven years down the track and an uh, amazing wife she's been. Thank you. You see, when Christ comes into your heart, 
the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in us. He gives life to our mortal bodies. And uh, I've found this adventure in God has been more about a passion and a desire to help other people find what I found than it has been about systems and processes. I believe in systems and processes, but they're, they're empty. They're just dead works unless, unless we've got the Spirit of God dwelling in us. They're just about stuff we do. And uh, so we started this journey and um, found a Christian outreach centre and um, got involved. John Gear was the pastor at the time. He'd pioneered the Port Stephens Church. So we just got involved, just did whatever we could find to do. That's what Scripture says to do, actually. I found that later. <laughs> just do whatever you find to do and do it with all of your might. Do it as unto the Lord. So we did that and, and um, four years later, a bit over four years later, we were asked to be the pastors of the church, which is crazy, you know, like. Uh, but that, that led to this incredible next step of j- the journey of just going after God and trying to find as many people as we could. One of the early visions I had was to s- this, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, that, this place that we're all going to end up in at the end of this age. And um, I've got this picture of, you know, this huge banquet hall and everyone sitting at tables and the, the Lamb of God just uh, uh, presiding over the whole thing and just it's a, like an s- incredible party, a celebration. And my heart has always been to see as many people as possible at the marriage supper of the Lamb that I've helped on their journey. And we can give each other a high five, a thumbs up and say, we made it, mate. <laughs> you know, like we're here. Praise God for that. And uh, so that's been one of the motivating forces to, to being where we are today. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the scripture says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And uh, I've found that the power of God has been just um, so much more than I could have ever dreamed uh, he could be. And uh, I've just got a scripture I want to talk about just for a moment, that Acts chapter 1 scripture. But before I do, uh, the, in the worship that we sang this morning, it says, uh, all I am is not enough. Come Holy Spirit. And, and I think that's a good place to be, to recognize all that I am. Everything that I can muster up in my brains, my emotion, my physical being is not enough to bring the presence of God to the earth, to bring, real, bring people to the point of knowing the reality of Jesus. But that Acts scripture, when I read that, I thought, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what the girl that prayed for me and my wife had. In fact, they asked me when they prayed for me at my dining room table, do you mind if we pray in tongues? And I was a good old Anglican boy. I thought, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I said, I don't care if you pray in Chinese. You know, like, prove yourself. Have, have a ball. Just do whatever. <laughs> in fact, I didn't even want them to pray for me. I said, I don't believe in that sort of stuff. And this girl was a bit bold. She said, you're not scared, are you? <laughs> you're only a woman why would I be scared <laughs> whoa yeah I was a bit chauvinistic back in those days but 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 also having that just I don't really believe we've all been there haven't we as Christians hello we can still doubt 
we can still be thinking, oh, well, what? yeah, I've seen all of this stuff, but now I'm looking from here where I am now and I'm looking forward. How can I overlay the miracles I've seen now? It's like, oh. Anyway, we, we, um, we, I heard these girls praying in tongues and I'm thinking, I don't understand what that's all about. <laughs> but this scripture made sense to me when I got saved. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses to tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I took that literally. So we got an opportunity to go on a missions trip to Solomon Islands, my first missions trip. And I thought, can I come? Then I thought, oh, what have I done? I've never been on an aeroplane before, you know. Like, <laughs> and I wondered, do they have coffee in, in Solomon Islands? And <clears throat> I literally went off coffee through the withdrawals of coffee because I was worried that they wouldn't have coffee there. And I thought, I can't get withdrawing, having withdrawals in Solomon's. So that... <laughs> That's who I am, so I'm a bit simple. But what happened was, that through that... We, I saw miracles. I saw God doing miracles. I saw God touching people. I become addicted to it. So Rhonda and I have done 20 missions trips to, to Fiji, five to Solomon Islands, five or six to Philippines. We've lived in Thailand. We've, we've been to the nations, Indonesia, Malaysia, Nepal. Rhonda's been to Thailand. Thailand. We've been to India. We, we haven't been everywhere, but we've been to quite a few nations and done quite a few missions trips. And you know what? I've seen that both locally and internationally, God does miracles. You, you see, sometimes we, and I've heard people say, but that was for the time of the apostles, Pastor Alan. Well, it must be still the times of the apostles. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we have seen, literally, I'm, t- I'm not going to tell you anything but truth today. Rhonda and I have seen blind eyes open. We've seen lame and crippled people walk. And it hasn't been this euphoric presence of God. Oh, I'm just, uh, I am Jehovah. I will touch this person. It's like desperate faith. We prayed. I prayed for a guy at Salamander Bay who was dead under a tarpaulin and um, without a word of a lie, went up to this tarpaulin, laid hands on it, the police and the ambulance officers all around me, and I prayed for him to come back to life, and I cried out on God. Guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> You've got to be prepared to have egg on your face and still not understand that God still may have done something in those police or those ambulance officers that I don't even know about. Guess what? We're in Fiji one day and I was in the car with the Attorney General and the car, a little girl ran out in front of the car and was belted so hard that she flew off the road into the bush. By the time we stopped the car and backed up, the mother was holding this limp little baby in her arms and there were about 10 people around them wailing. And something of the Spirit of God rose up in me. I had a team of people with us and I sung out to them. I said, stop wailing and start praying. And we started to cry out on God. And that little baby, I believe that little baby was lifeless, came back to life. <laughs> and started to breathe again. Took the baby to hospital. The baby had the head split open. They took the baby to the hospital in the Attorney General's car. Two hours later, we finally got into Suva and uh, rang the hospital and said, we want to come and visit that baby. They said, no point, they've gone. I said, what, dead? No, no, gone home. Nothing wrong. You see, you think, wow, it must have felt amazing. Friend, it was just desperate, <laughs> desperate prayer. 
we went to, uh, I'm just going to tell you a few stories today because uh, if I can encourage you to believe God, it's, not, it's never been this world. We're going to see what miracles God will do. It's like we want to go and help people. We want to go and let people find Jesus. And if he'll use miracles or whatever it takes, then we'll do that. In Fiji, we were traveling from the center of Fiji, from Nateramai province to the coast, to Nikelo village. And they had we'd preached in the in these meetings in the in the center of Fiji for three nights and we were heading down to to do meetings in the church which is just a tin lean-to in the back of a house in Nakelo village and we were thinking we'd have a time to have a rest and what have you we got there after a couple of hours in the back of a two-ton truck with dust in our hair and just feeling gritty and the praise and worship had already started and they said praise God you're here pastor we're just about ready for you I said no not please no anyway I just said Lord we don't feel like it but we're here for your presence we preached and people gave their hearts to the Lord can't remember what happened in the meeting but after the meeting people are dancing doing the Congo around the with pot plants on their head remember the day Pastor Dave oh way oh way oh and uh, they just whoop whoop yep having a ball and uh, Christina was there and uh, what happened was these um two old ladies sitting with their back against a bamboo post just enjoying it all and I, I went over and grabbed one and said come on join in and plugged her into the Congo line and, and people are going wild and got the other one up and plugged her into the Congo line and they're all dancing and after the meeting I said to the pastor people were just getting more excited and more excited it was just building what was going on he said those two old ladies haven't walked for years <laughs> uneducated boy from Salamander Bay doesn't even know what he's doing <laughs> honestly friends if, if Alan Ward can walk with those sort of miracles and signs and wonders following what he, what can you and I do together see if our heart is to reach Newcastle for Jesus we're not going to convince people in their brains that Jesus is real we're not going to be able to persuade them because it's not a brain issue it's a heart encounter with Jesus Christ that's what changes the people of this world it, it, Paul said I don't come with persuasive words of human wisdom but in a demonstration of power why did he say that because he had tried to persuade people and it doesn't work. But if you just walk with God, I mean, I worked over here in Hamilton. When I first got saved, I was working in an office on the corner of Tudor and Beaumont Street, Hamilton with 15 other people. And it was a pretty raw sort of an environment. It was a lot of language and stuff. This girl turned 21 years of age and she talked about she wanted a leather miniskirt and a leather this and a leather that. You know, look at oh. Anyway, I said to Rhonda, I don't know what to do. I want to get her a present, but I don't want to, you know, like, <laughs> you know what? I got her a leather-bound Bible. <laughs> and uh, the whole office went quiet. Wardy walks in, gives her a present, and she unwraps and says, oh, well, thank you. You know, the polite thank you. You know what? A week or two later, she come back and sat down next to my desk, and she said, Alan, that's one of the nicest things I ever received. You don't know what your seemingly dumb thing that you do is going to do to impact someone else. But just have a go. Dominic, remember we were in a truck. We are in a truck on the island of Melita heading out to some remote village where I got so sick I couldn't move and we got held up by some guys with machetes. <laughs> Tell you, that'll bring your prayer life alive. 
I said to the guys in the, I was in the front of the truck as one of the honoured guests, but the guys in the back, I just stuck my head. I said, pray, <laughs> hello. They were all chatting, you know, like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, just pray. <laughs> we've been in churches where we've been, the churches have been stoned by people that are angry that we're there. We've had all these sort of things going on, friend. We don't even know it's happening. We went to one of the places in Fiji and, and I heard later that there were desperate criminals that had escaped from jail and that there was roadblocks and everything. We were in the back of the truck. We didn't even know what was going on. I said, oh, you're so brave. No, I'm stupid in a way. I just, just go out and have a go. You never know. Might, the Spirit of God wants to use you and I to do something about impacting other people's lives. I've got strings of Scripture. The guy on the, or girl on the computer up there might laugh when I gave him the Scriptures that I wanted to use today. But friend, you and I can find those Scriptures by opening our own Bibles. I want to inspire and encourage you today. We've seen the most amazing things. We've seen uh, uh, Luke Dodds is here today. His mum and dad got saved in our church. They didn't never been in a church, and that, and someone invited them to church, and, and and I asked them to come up. Asked for people that wanted to give their hearts to Jesus. They walked up the front and instead of having their back to everyone. Was long well, they turned and said, "We're joining a family, aren't we?" That they gave their hearts to Jesus. Edwina could not stop crying. She had mascara. She said, "I hate coming to church because my mascara runs every week." But God was doing a work in them. They're pastoring the Rock Church now. They, didn't, they weren't even planning on having children and they've got three beautiful children now. God does something in your heart when you get touched by the Spirit of God. When you're born again, something happens. And sometimes we think it's, oh, well, I go to church now. Well, whoopee. That's, this is where we commune with each other and we encourage each other. But we don't even come for us. We come that we might encourage someone else. And, and we come because we need to belong to the local church, but our mission field is the world. I want to encourage you today. If Rhonda and I have, been, we've been to Thailand, we saw we saw the most amazing things. But you see, it's tough. It's not easy to leave your family. Both our dads were elderly and frail. Our beautiful daughters and their husbands, and our grandchildren. We don't want to leave and go to Thailand. But we felt God call us. So we go. We saw more miracles, more salvations, more supernatural power of God in four years in Thailand than we could have even believed. Provision, just miracles in, in everywhere we turn. But friend, it wasn't easy. And some of the trips we've done, they haven't been easy. Indonesia on, on local buses with people smoking and drinking and wooden seats and rough roads. But in the midst of that and on the back of motorbikes through the jungle on mud tracks, they, the motorbike stops and this guy, and I was honestly, we're going out to a church and I'm saying, I want to go home. I'm over this. Didn't say it, but that's what's in my heart. I'm over this. My spine was hammered together on these horrible motorbikes. The motorbike rider stops and starts taking us along this plank through the swamp. And I said, where are we going? He said, I want you to pray for a man. And this guy, I said, okay, what's going? He said, the man's a Muslim and he's blind. And my heart sank. I said, what can I do for a blind man? I mean, I'm in a mess myself. He said, no, pray for him, pastor. And he's just sitting alone in a room, no windows. And he, 
We laid hands on this man. He must have been 60 or 70 years of age. I don't know. And I said, prayed for him and with the, Rhonda and I and a few people. Was it just us in Indonesia? I think it was. It was just us and an interpreter. I said to the interpreter, ask him to open his eyes. And he opens his eyes. Can he see anything? No. I think, I don't know what to do except keep trying. You know? So prayed again. And uh, open your eyes, see if you can see anything. He opened his eyes and by this time some of his family had gathered in the room and he said, I can see shapes like shadows of people. I said, we're going to pray again. And, and the f- Rhonda's got a photo of this guy, open his eyes and he's like, because he can see. You see, no one more surprised than me. <laughs> did I feel faith? No. What did I do? I trusted God. I just believed God's true to his word. He says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We just had a go. And this guy, he had about 10 or 12 children and they're all adults and their wives and grandkids. They're all in the room by this stage. They're all Muslim. They all give their heart to Jesus because they haven't seen Allah do a miracle. But Jesus does miracles. So we saw that. Then we get to this little church and this old lady, we're just visiting people in the, as they arrive in church and saying hello to them. This lady said, can you pray for me? And she got some people to help her up. And I said, yeah, yeah. Rhonda and I are on the floor praying for her feet. Didn't know what was wrong. So we're praying for everything below the waist. You know, Lord, heal her knees, heal her feet. God, strengthen these muscles, whatever. She comes forward at the end of the service and stood for nearly an hour waiting for an opportunity to give a testimony to God. She'd been carried into the meeting. Friend, God does miracles, but it's not going to be at our convenience. It's going to be when we step out of our convenience and beyond our own ability and say, where is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? Where is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Where is the power of the Holy Ghost? Did the Holy Ghost go into retreat after the book of Acts or is the book of Acts still being written today? I believe the book of Acts is still being written today. There'll be a funniest home videos part of heaven. I'm convinced of that. And I'm going to have my little replay button and I'll be like, ha, ha, look at it. There was a guy came to our church in Port Stephens and I was looking after the church for Pastor John at this stage. This woman walks in from Stockton. Is anyone from Stockton? I'm glad to say this. Some funny people live in Stockton. <laughs> this lady walks in and her husband is, and she, she walks in and she, I greeted them at the, so I was trying to be this good person. I was at the door, I was preaching, I was praying, I was doing everything. And uh, she says, um, can you pray for my husband? He's got a demon. I look at him and I said, do you? He said, must do. She thinks I do. I said, okay. I said look, after the meeting. I'm busy, I'm prayed up, I'm ready to go. You know, like, so I got him into Pastor John's office after the meeting with one or two of the deacons. And I'd never prayed for a person that had demons before. So, uh, so I laid hands on this guy and I see what Pastor John used to do. I knew how he did it. I thought, I'll just do what he did. So Pastor John, he was, he's a bit bigger than me. So anyway, I laid hands on this guy and I got my hand like, you know how you got to do it, Pastor Dave, you got to have the... So I'm like, I lay hands on this guy and... I said, come out in Jesus' name. And I hit him fair in the side of the head. (laughs) He said, ouch, oh, oh, what'd you do that for, mate? I said, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to hit you. (laughs) I learned, pray with your eyes open, you know, like it helps. But you see, I don't know how that guy is today. He might be healed. (laughs) Hoping his ears are okay. But... 
you don't worry about, you know, like sometimes we're so worried and politically correct. I've prayed for people and they, I walked into the office in Hamilton one day and there's a girl with it and she's runny nose and coughing and spluttering and I said, can I pray for you? She said, no. I was, damn. So the next day I walked in and she's still not, I said, here, let me pray for you. <laughs> Don't I, didn't even ask for permission. I just thought I've got to get past this barrier. But you see, you and I have got something that this world desperately needs and they don't know they need it and you and I don't know how to get it to them that's why we need the Holy Ghost that's why we need the presence of God and then we can if you see some, have you ever just seen someone and you, there's a desire to pray for them I remember the first time I saw someone that was a bandaged head, bandaged, uh, and, and I started weeping because this person's obviously in pain and I'd never had that sort of empathy or compassion. And I'm, here I am weeping for someone that's in a mess and I'm thinking, oh, I should just pray for them. So I offered. Do you ever have those sort of urges? to say something or do something and then you don't because you think, oh, I don't want to make a fool. I don't want to, uh, it's a bit awkward, a bit clunky. I feel that way all the time and I don't always do it right. But those times where I've stepped out and thought, I'll just have a go anyway, have often been the times when God has done the great miracles, the great things that I never felt I could do. I mean, who am I? uneducated farm boy from Salamander Bay. When I was growing up, I never dreamed of this. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when we receive Christ into our heart and say, well, Lord, I'm not here for myself now, but I'm here for your purposes. Something supernatural happens. Doors open, opportunities open. I've missed so many opportunities. But I thank God for the opportunities I've taken. And it's so warm, heartwarming to see people that we've been involved in their journey and now to look at them and see that they're still on their journey because Christ came on the inside and started a good work. And here we are today just saying, Lord, we want to give you the glory. We want to give you the honour. Every time I worship God, I still see the cross, friend. Don't ever get too, too uh, Christian. <laughs> too accustomed, too acclimatized to the local church that you miss the opportunity to touch base with heaven every Sunday and in between. This morning as we're worshiping God, I was plugged into heaven, see Jesus on the cross. I reacquaint myself with the precious work of the cross that he did, that redemptive work, that personal encounter with Christ. Friend, you might not have ever had a personal encounter with Christ. <laughs> that I can relate to it. Told an ambulance officer from Narromine, she said, oh, I find it all hard to believe. I said, don't you worry, honey, so do I. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, we're selling an unbelievable message. That someone would be born of the Virgin Mary, Die, live a sinless life, die on the cross sacrificially for us and then three days later the stones rolled away, rises from the dead, spends a little bit of time appearing and disappearing on the earth and then ascends to be to the clouds 
uh, uh, to be seated at the right hand of the Father, to, to ever, forever to make intercession for us, and that He would pour out of His Holy Spirit on all flesh, invisible power that would help humanity. The only way you can believe that is if, if God the Father shows you that Jesus Christ is His Son. The only way you can believe it is the supernatural power of God, the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. And how will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless there's a preacher? And blessed be the feet of those who carry the good news of the Gospel. But the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You and I are walking examples. We are carriers of this wonderful truth, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're the answer to the city of Newcastle, Dubbo, wherever you live. You're God's answer in your workplaces, in your schools, your universities, wherever you go. You're God's answer to that place.